I would like to thank the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration for all the content in this episode. This was taken from a six-part series called Roadmap to Recovery. And I just want to thank this administration for all of their work. Um, They clarify and really post really solid, scientifically-based and experience-based information for us. So while we're on our journey, we can have a really solid reference point to have success in our recovery. So thank you, SAMHSA, and enjoy this episode. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Sobers Dope Podcast with your host, Pop Buchanan. How's everyone doing today? I hope everyone is well. We send our prayers out to everyone in the recovery community. Everyone out there that's struggling with relapse or maybe struggling with your addiction, don't beat yourself up. No, you're not alone. Um, the biggest thing we could do is when we have a slip or a relapse is to try to get back on track. All right. Use everything that you learn and get back on track. Lately, I have been seeing a lot of people throughout the different forums and in the community struggling coming out of the holidays. You see people relapsing left to right. So you see I you hear things like I just got off a 10 day um, binge. I don't know what caused me to drink. I don't know why I just started. You hear things like, you know, I hate myself. It's been a horrible three days. Um, you hear people say, you know, I screwed up, man. I messed up. I messed up big. You know, I've been on a binge for the, like the last two weeks. I don't know what to do. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's very important to put things in perspective. Um, the most important thing is to remember that your recovery is a sacred thing but also when you relapse and if you have a slip it's not a moral failure all right it's not something you're not a bad person you know you are suffering from a disease and things happen you know um it's as if you know if i had lyme disease and somehow you know the antibodies come back And I go to my doctor. My doctor's not going to say to me, you know what? You're a bad person because this thing came back. They're going to give me more medication to control it. So in our case of recovery, suffering from a disease, there's a process, right? The reason why I want to do this episode is this is part of a series called A Roadmap to Recovery from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. I want to take us back to the basics, all right? I want to take us back to the basics because sometimes when time goes on, you forget the basics of your recovery. It's very important. You know, you could become experts in all of the different sobriety and recovery jargon, all of the cliches, and you may think that you have a grip, but sometimes relapse happens subconsciously, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. We start to relapse on multiple levels before we actually have a physical relapse. And I and I really want to do this episode for a few different type of people, but mainly for the person that's new in recovery, 
Some of us may have gotten there through AA. Some of, some of us may have gotten here through cold turkey. Some of us may have gotten here through some other means. But it's important to understand the fundamentals. You know, the stages of recovery. They call it the matrix model. We have different steps. Like step one is withdrawal. Step two is the honeymoon effect. Step three is the war protracted abstinence. And step four is the adjustment resolution phase. Now, this sounds complex now, but the substance abuse and mental health services did a great job in walking us through this. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go back to the basics today. Let's pull out our pens and pads. Let's get back into our recovery because no one in the sober dope community has relapsed yet. So I think we're doing something right. But, you know, my job is to keep my eyes and ears to the whole to the ground. And I see, you know, through other communities and other people and just people online and through social media, most people come to social media to find community. And then you can see within this sea of individuals, um, you can see a person here relapse, a person here. You see a person crying here, a person destroyed here. Um, so I just definitely know this is a reality. And I think taking it back to homeroom, let's say homeroom for, you know, educational purposes, taking it back to day one, it's going to help us put things in perspective. So we're going to get into this clip from SAMHSA. And let's move along. This is the roadmap to recovery stage one withdrawal. Catch you on the other side. Hello, and welcome to the Roadmap for Recovery, a family education video produced by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Whether you're a person in recovery or supporting someone who is in recovery, we are pleased to have you here. The journey to recovery is not an easy one, but some of the problems encountered are predictable. Many people have successfully made this journey and have contributed their stories to this video. We hope this program helps show the way to a new, enriched life. Recovery may be seen as following a predictable route, like a road map, through a series of four recovery stages. Most people experience physical and emotional changes during each stage. Treatment programs like the Matrix Model provide skills and tools to anticipate and counter the issues that might derail a person's recovery. This does not mean that every person or family member will experience recovery in the same way, but being aware of the issues in each stage can prepare you for what to expect during and after treatment. Once I became willing to uh, get into recovery, uh, to really be serious about treatment, um, it was critical to have my family's support, um, but it took a long time to get there. Um, I had to go through the process that everyone has to go through uh, in terms of getting beyond the denial and admitting that I had a problem. Um, and until I was able to do that, until I was able to go through that process, and, and that process for me took several years. It, it was not an overnight process. Every person's recovery process is unique. But generally speaking, in the matrix model, recovery is divided into four stages. Stage 1, withdrawal. Stage 2, honeymoon or early abstinence. Stage 3, wall or protracted abstinence. And stage 4, adjustment and resolution. Recovery begins when a person stops using drugs or alcohol. 
Withdrawal symptoms that people experience depend on the person, what substance was used, for how long it was used, and how it was used, the route of ingestion. These symptoms last for different lengths of time. They're physical and psychological symptoms of withdrawal. Physical symptoms can include cravings, depression, anxiety, low energy, irritability, exhaustion, insomnia, paranoia, memory problems, and intense hunger. The first few days I was very tired. I was exhausted because I had been running the streets 24-7. I did a lot of sleeping, a lot of eating, a lot of resting. I felt very anxious and irritable. Um, I felt tired uh, because I was tired. I had, you know, I had done quite a job uh, at really draining my body from, you know, of, of the necessary and important kind of nutrients that it needed. So for, for me, detox was kind of an exhausting uh, process. My body was wondering what the hell was going on when I was in early recovery and trying to stop. The withdrawal wasn't quite as bad, but it was such that I, I recall not feeling whole, not feeling healthy, and, and wanting to be healthy. There's also emotional withdrawal, which is amplified by chemical changes in the brain. People who had used stimulants can feel very depressed, even suicidal during this period. A person in early recovery may feel that life is out of control. Emotions are raw. It's like being on an emotional roller coaster. I didn't feel anything. I was just numb. I remember being really irritable, being mad I was there, um, and not being able to speak well. <laughs> like, it was just hard to form a sentence. It was just too much trouble. Um, I had just gotten really sloppy by that point, and I, I just couldn't get my thoughts together well. So I just kind of waited it out. I tried to just stay quiet and stay under the radar and, and hope I'd feel better. Um, eventually I got a little less irritable. I started to wake up, because it really was a fog. Ladies and gentlemen, that was very informative. So as we know, when we first go through the initial stages of our recovery, that day, that first week, that first month, that first three days of detox, you're going to be experiencing immense withdrawal symptoms, right? Um, it's going to be a lot of exhaustion. Your body's going to need a lot of rest, nutrition, emotional withdrawal is a real thing. You're going to be withdrawing. You're going to be dealing with depression, some raw emotions, some fear, some anxiety. You're going to be an emotional roller coaster. Remember, our brains is going back to homeostasis. Our bodies is trying to find homeostasis. And being in our addiction for so long, you know, we have, we don't take care of ourselves. We, we neglect ourselves, our basic human needs needs and when you're in recovery you're learning all of this stuff all over again and you're reintroducing your body to the necessary things it needs to function so you have to be patient with yourself 
one thing that was important and that was said here is having some familiar support. If you don't have family, having some for like maybe being in a rehab would give you that sense of support. Being in a group setting, maybe Alcoholic Anonymous, maybe your own group, maybe some form of talk therapy group, maybe, you know, having your therapist, a counselor. Um, Dealing with the denial is the most important thing. Realizing that, you know, admitting that you have a problem and it goes a long way um ladies and gentlemen i know exactly how this feels uh this is this hits home for me because the first day the first week when i left when i left detox i was just exhausted i was tired i was frail i was psychologically and emotionally challenged i was just out of it you know, I was just so happy that I found I was starting this process. So, um, you know, my initial sober is dope story was how I pleaded with God and got into detox. Right. But it goes further than that. Then I had to deal with rehab. I had to go back and get back with my family. I had to make amends. I had to do so many things. But the most important thing I had to do was rebuild my life. That's what's really happening here. The roadmap for recovery is about building our life. And it doesn't stop at year one. It doesn't stop at year seven. It does not stop at year 20, right? As an addict, you're constantly growing. It's building on top of all of your days, all of your progresses. So the purpose of this and me going back to the basics and taking you back to the basics is so you could remember where you started and the, the process, the same love and attention you needed in the beginning, you're going to need in year five and year 10 and year 20. You're going to have to know when you're exhausted. You're going to have to be able to watch the warning signs, the triggers. You have to understand the different stages of possible relapse. You have to know that you're when you're emotionally drained versus psychologically drained versus physically drained. Um, and mentally drained, all right? Um, you have to take care of yourself. You have to watch out for depression. You have to watch out for mental decline. You have to watch out um, for dehydration. You have to watch out for, you know, starvation. You have to make sure you're well-fed and you're well-taken care of. You have to love yourself. And your recovery and treatment is a lifetime thing. And I think when people relapse, they lose grip of how much help and love they really need. You know, they take on the whole world and forget that you're a person that's in recovery. Say it with me, ladies and gentlemen, we're in recovery. We're still in recovery. All right. You don't have to be a superhero every day to everyone. You don't have to take on the whole world. It's okay to just shut down some time and say, you know what? I'm in recovery. I'm just going to I'm just going to say no to a bunch of stuff this month and I'm just going to go back to the basics and take care of myself. That means if you have to go to work, come home, take a nice hot shower, eat your favorite food, food, go to bed early, meditate, pray and ignore everyone until you get back to an emotionally stable place. That's maybe what we have to do. Our next part is dealing with the importance of scheduling and creating structure in our lives. I think in the beginning of our recovery, we have, in order to prevent relapse, we have to create structure. And this this puts our rational brain back into control. This is the foundation of our recovery, getting a set schedule and having some structure in our lives. 
So before I take you into this segment, keep this in mind. If you're at year one to five or five to 10 or 10 to 20, and you start to lose grip on what that structure looks like in your life, you can go back into the relapse territory. All right. So don't think because you're five years in or for my example, seven years in, I still need to have a structure. I still need to know I have to get up a certain time every day. I have to go to work at this time. I have to work until this point. When I come home is my decompression time. I have time that you have a structure. If you forget the fundamentals in year 10, you could relapse in year 10. You could relapse in year 20. You could relapse in week one or week two. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, the next part, part two of our roadmap for recovery talks about scheduling. Enjoy. Treatment helps with both physical withdrawal and the emotional mood swings. It provides structure that can help a person not use. People in treatment programs using the matrix model are taught to make schedules to create structure. Scheduling one's time every day helps reduce boredom, impulsive decision-making, and falling back on old behaviors that can lead to relapse. One of the best ways to prevent relapse is by scheduling each hour of the day. This helps put the rational brain back in control. Self-designed daily schedules help people avoid triggers, reduce anxiety, and allow recovery to be achieved one day at a time. Keeping a schedule helps people in recovery stay on track, counters the drug-using lifestyle, and provides a recovery foundation. In the beginning, I needed to not have a lot of diversity in my life. I needed to know what was going to come every day. Uh, When I got out of treatment, I needed to know that, okay, I have to go to class from here to here. Um, At that time, I can go home, I I can be safe in my house for a while, and then I go to that meeting that night. That person's going to meet me there, or I'll get a ride, and then I go home. But I did eventually, you know, pick up the phone and call people and say, I feel like crap. What do I do now? When they said, okay, well, what did you do today? And I told them, they said, okay, get up and do it again tomorrow. So I would do, in the beginning, the same things, you know, a lot of the same things. In early recovery skills and relapse prevention groups, people in treatment learn how to build structure. They learn what kinds of activities they can use as building blocks and practice putting schedules together for each day. People who deviate from their schedules risk relapsing. Those who stick to the schedule created by their rational brain stay drug-free. Counselors, people in recovery, and family members can draw up a schedule together. A schedule that doesn't involve family members might not work. Neither will a schedule imposed by the family. Plan for disruptions in a schedule, like holidays, birthdays, or illness. In the withdrawal stage, when getting through each day without using is a huge challenge, the schedule can be a lifeline. Attending support meetings is one activity many people do to fill their time. Research shows that people who participate in a treatment program, like Matrix, and in other support group meetings, do better than those who do not do both. I was very uncomfortable in my recovery, and which is normal for a new person in recovery. Um, I was very uncomfortable. It felt very unnatural for me. 
I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, initially, I, I was very low on energy, and suddenly I had all this time on my hand. What do I do now? And um, support groups and the meetings helped me to acquire tools to apply toward um, those dilemmas. They, I, I could fill in that time and, and develop some structure in my life to become comfortable being clean and sober. I remember in my early days, um, I was going to a lot of meetings, and I still go to a lot of meetings, but I was going to a lot of meetings in my early days, and, and I was just overwhelmed with how much support there was out there for people that had addiction issues. In just one meeting, I found, I found so many people in like an hour, just within one hour, when I got to hear some of these individuals talk, I was like, man, that person is just like me. He said the same thing you know, that relates to my brain and my way of thinking. And that, that attracted me. And these people welcomed me with open arms, and, they, and they, they were there to help me, and they did not want anything from me. You know, and that was the gift that I look back and see what it was. Ladies and gentlemen, that was so important. Now, we're going to keep it moving, but remember... Structure in your life is important. Having a schedule, having a predictable program, giving your life some order helps with your rational brain and it helps preventing relapse. The next segment, which closes out part one of our roadmap to recovery and back to the basic series, is probably, in my opinion, one of the most important points because I think this period could last quite a long time and I think this is where most people suffer possible relapse. And this is called the abstinence phase or the honeymoon phase. Now, out of detox, yes, you're good. You're pretty much new. You're going through withdrawal. You're getting used to this. Your hormones in your brain and everything is going haywire. All right. Then you start to level out. And then you get to a certain period where you have to create structure and start hitting a life. You know, scheduling, getting working. You're going to have a lot of energy. You're going to want to do things. Then you hit this state of abstinence now where you're really doing the sobriety thing. You're feeling good about yourself and it's called the honeymoon effect. You feel extremely good. You feel like this brand new person. Now, this is a beautiful thing, but this is the stage where I think people can become very overconfident. They could develop a forced sense of control. Like, I got this covered. You know, nobody could tell me nothing. I'm back. I know I slipped. I know the error of my ways. I'm good now. I'm just going to go back, hit life head on. In some small cases, this may work. Um, for people who may not have been traditional addicts who maybe just had a bad episode and decided to get sober. But if you're really an addict and you suffer from the disease of drugs and alcoholism, this could be a dangerous slippery slope right because in this stage you're gonna still need a lot of love and a lot of help and you're gonna still need a lot of intervention right you're gonna feel like you you, you got light you could tackle life head on so real quick um I relapsed quite a few times before I found my um, permanent recovery and I still try to really be careful because I'm always one drink away from being, uh, you know, losing control. Um, 
And I can honestly say in the seven years, I never took a drink. I never even played with it, right? Because I can't. Because I know me and I'm an addict and I would get hooked and I would be in trouble. But I remember, like, the honeymoon effect is what really always screwed me up. Because I would be like, oh, man, I got my life back. I feel good. I'll be cooking. I'll be exercising. I'll be trying to do all of these things. And then I would hit this wall where I would feel like alone and sad and if anything really challenged me i did not have the necessary defenses or tools to combat that so for example if i got into a really bad fight or a really bad argument or if i went to a party where it was really fun and it was a lot of people drinking and i didn't have a support and i didn't have tools to help me in that situation i would relapse if I got into something in a relationship or went through a breakup or something or something didn't go my way, I could relapse. I realized that although I felt powerful and I felt like I had this thing under control, I didn't have shit under control. I was one critical moment away from relapsing because I didn't have enough support. I didn't do enough work and I got overconfident and I was cocky about it. Right? So... This next segment is important, all right? I'm going to stop there. But if you're out there and you're in recovery, especially if you're new, you're one of those people that's posting day five, I'm sober on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, day 10, day 60, and you're counting the days and you're putting all your attention into and your excitement into, you know, acknowledging your progress just remember you have to do the work also you should be in some form of groups you should be in some meetings you should be getting some form of counseling you should be doing the work to stay sober because you have to be prepared the day things don't go your way if you don't have enough time and experience under your belt you can crumble and you can relapse especially prematurely in this honeymoon phase enjoy the next segment i hope this helps Stage 2, the honeymoon, also referred to as early abstinence, is called a honeymoon because people start to feel better. Abstinence means no illicit drug or alcohol use at all. People in recovery should feel good about reaching this point, but they may also think their addiction problems are behind them now, and that's not the case. Many things can lead to relapse during the honeymoon stage, including overconfidence, workaholism, secondary drug or alcohol use, and paranoia. A particular note is the excess of energy that makes it difficult to prioritize. It may be difficult deciding which things are important to do and which things can wait. Scheduling is one way to assist with making these decisions. I felt good about myself. I, I started to feel uh, like I belonged someplace where I where I, where I used to use to feel like I belonged, I started to feel like I belonged as a result of not using. Um, I felt a part of, I felt a sense of belonging. Um, and that, that those, are, those are all gradual things that I started to feel. But emotionally, I was starting to feel more comfortable within myself being cleaner and sober. Um, where I used to fight that and use to numb those feelings, to escape those ill feelings, I was learning to deal with them. Um, emotionally.
During stage two, people have more energy and may try to do too much. This can lead to burnout and relapse. This energy can be directed toward activities that build recovery, but it can also lead to overconfidence. That can make people believe they don't need treatment and can return to their former life without using. Or they may think they can handle substance use as long as they don't go back to their problem use. Reentry is really brutal, you know, and it's very delicate. If you don't have other people around you that have experienced that telling you what to expect and that it's okay, you know, it's, it's a very hard thing for people to get through. And unfortunately, when you're in the, the, the honeymoon, you just feel great. And that's a nice feeling, but there's more work to be done. You, it, it gives you the feeling that you don't have to work at this, and that's not the case. You have to work at your, your recovery all the time. Participation in recovery is the only way it'll get done, you know. I mean, you have to act, recovery is an action verb, not a passive verb. Family members need to stay involved during this period. Even if their loved one seems confident, it's easy to believe that the problem is solved and the hard work is over. Families should be supportive and stay alert for signs of relapse. Be careful about the use of alcohol or illicit drugs. Use in the recovering person's living space is an invitation to relapse. Family members need their own support from one another and from outside the family. Going to family education groups provides an opportunity to talk with others. So you want to try to help them as much as you could, and, and like I said, they have to accept their whatever problems that they have, and then once they come to that exception and, and understanding it and, and learn it, that's when they start pulling themselves together and the family, and then you have like a little intervention with the family and say, hey, you know, how can we help him? How, how can we help her? And uh, so, like for us, we, we have our native culture, our native backgrounds, and it's healing, and we use, we use that as, you know, in a spiritual background. We use all those, all those things, all those tactics, we all put them together as a family, and we sit down and we and we you know we ask them if they could uh, we ask them of what can work and what will not work and it's better to have it open you know an open conversation and like 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 for me you know the whole family had to sit down without him and and discuss what we're what we're going to talk about instead of getting mad raising voices and and losing him again you know, so that way we all got together and we all said what, you know, what we felt was good. And today, you know, today we've, we've never had what we have today. As my sponsor says, um, detachment with love, but be there. Be there whenever they uh, call up. I call him up all the time. He's always there. Always, uh, no matter where I'm at. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you found the first three parts to this series. This is part one. We will do part two, which will have another three parts. I, I hope you find this helpful. Let's go back to the basics. Let's acknowledge when we're in withdrawal. 
Let's acknowledge when we're dealing with some form of decline in our lives, whether it's psychological, whether we're overstressed, whether we're not eating right, maybe we're not getting enough sleep. Let's be mindful of the honeymoon phase, right? And these possible relapse points. Let's acknowledge that there's people every day that have their recovery that's relapsing because they're not doing the work. They get cocky. When they're tempted, they're not going back to meetings. They think that they could do it all on their own. And we it takes a lot of work, okay? Let's not just only use social media as our therapy. Let's try to get real therapy. Social media is one part of it. Um, I just noticed that people who's constantly on social media and that's all the work that they're doing, or maybe the majority of the work, they're relapsing and they're like, you know, because if you're not getting the attention that you really need at this stage, then you could fall victim to your addiction or your urges. Remember, your recovery is about you. Um, when we wear it as a badge to where it's like, oh, whoa, look at me and look how awesome I am. And we seek um, attention and we seek validation from outside forces that could always backfire and leave you holding the bag and feeling alienated and by yourself. And then that could be a false sense of a foundation and that could lead to relapse. So you have to be your own validation. You know, there's people in my life who don't really respond positively or negatively to my recovery. Some people don't care. I have a brother who could care less. He's like, whatever. I don't care if you're sober. I don't care what it is. You know, that's that's his prerogative. Then I have other siblings and the rest of my siblings are very happy for me. Right. I don't let the negativity from this one sibling make me jeopardize my recovery. I don't let what other people may think about me or say about me jeopardize my recovery because I'm my initial innate validation. My promise to God was between myself and God. And as long as I keep that promise in my heart, then I'm happy. I'm not looking for external validations. I'm very serious about my recovery in the sense that I know I can't drink. That became a law, right? So it has to be a law. Laws are set in stone because like I'm talking about scientific laws because they have been proven through the empirical method. All right. Through the scientific method. Right. A law is real. Like the law of gravity is real. If you jump off a building, you will not fly. You will hit the ground and die, right? If the the, the, the law of magnetism, right? Things that are going to attract will attract. So my thing is the law of your recovery and the law of your addiction has to be set in stone. If I drink, I will be addicted and my life will become unmanageable. This has been proven millions and millions of times. You really, really, really hear of a person that says, oh, I'm an addict and I was sober for five years. I went to a bar and got drunk and I'm living my best life. My life is manageable. I'm good. Like, I, like you know, I could drink with no problem. You really hear that. Your life immediately tends to take a hit. The depressive symptoms come back. The problematic things that forced us into our recovery comes right back. Addiction is terrible. 
So don't play with it, man. I'm telling you guys, I don't want you. Li- uh, you know, we have a lot of stuff on this podcast, but Pop Buchanan is telling you today, I'm not doing this just so we could. Sp- it's about spreading the benefits of sobriety, but it's more about really giving the people out there that struggling some real serious advice. And I'm letting you guys know this is a public statement. This is a public declaration. If you drink, you will get addicted and you will screw your life up. If you hit those drugs again, you will screw up. You cannot. It's non-negotiable. It never ends in your favor. It always leads back to death, darkness, sadness, and despair. Let's not play with this. Let's all say it clearly. We can't drink. Relapse will happen if you don't take this seriously. And as as clear as you can become, as powerful and grounded as you may be, and as beautiful as you may be, the moment you take a drink, all of that shit goes away. You know, you had the camp. Why do I call? I don't. I never want to call myself an alcoholic. But yeah, go go. Let's see what happens if you go have a drink. You will be reminded extremely fast that you are indeed an alcoholic. It never failed. In my life, I would be perfect. A three-piece suit on, running my business, going to church, taking care of family. God is good on top of the world. No possible way I could fall. No possible way I could relapse. Have one beer, rock bottom within three weeks. All right? It never failed. So, ladies and gentlemen, I love you. Please help each other. If you know someone out there is doing too much and they're not doing the right things, let them know. Say, hey, man, maybe you should spend less time doing this. Maybe you should try to do this. Or maybe let's go to a meeting together. Or maybe let's go see that therapist, right? If you know someone is in recovery and they're constantly talking about some negative aspect of their relationship, let them know that's a trigger. Let's start pointing out potential triggers to one another. Let's help each other because I'm tired of going on the internet and seeing somebody life fall apart because they relapse, especially when they have some real time under their belt. And it's because we're forgetting the fundamentals of our recovery. Primary, primary fundamental point of our recovery we cannot use under any circumstance ever period case point i love you all please be careful out there and i'll catch you on the other side